Today, I am delighted to be joined by Simon Higgins, MBE, no less, from uh, Story Contracting Limited, um, Business Development Director there. Simon, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, Michelle. Um, and thank you for inviting me, by the way. It's, it's not often I come to the big smoke, um, <laughs> being a Cumbria lad. Um, yes, as you said, Simon Higgins, I have for nearly for the last two years been the Business Development Director for Story Contracting Limited, which started off in 1987 um, by Fred Story mm-hmm. and is still a family-owned and a family-run civil engineering business that looks at rail, energy, and highways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's a great company. And I've been in the industry for 10 years, and I've wanted to work for Story. uh, And I'm delighted to live in one of their houses and work for them. I did not know that. Yeah, they build another part of the business, Story Homes. I'm actually quite surprised it's been two years. It doesn't feel like it's that long, but that's the benefit of COVID, isn't it? We've just lost complete track of time. at different times. So you've been with Story for two years. You've been in rail for 10 years, but where were you before then? Because that's going to kind of guide a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Okay. I, um, so this is my second career, and I love my second career. Mm-hmm. And I love the rail industry, and I will see the end of my second career out in the rail industry. But uh, my first career was I was a soldier. Mm-hmm. I joined the army as just turned 16, uh, and I joined the army in 1983 as a young Royal Engineer. Went to the Army Apprentice College for two years, learned a trade, uh, and then spent uh, nine years in the ranks. Mm-hmm. Uh, was plucked out of the ranks and was told to become an officer. So I went to Sandhurst mm-hmm. in 1992, spent a year at Sandhurst to become a, an officer, mm-hmm. uh, and then spent 20 years as an officer in the Royal Engineers. Okay. So nearly 30 years. Mm-hmm. And in that time, uh, had a fantastic 30-year career, and I have absolutely no regrets about my time in the Army whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Would I change anything? There's one or two things I'll tweak, yeah. but I wouldn't change anything about that because it's made me who I am. Mm-hmm. And then 19, where are we? 2012, I left, yep. and I fell into the railway industry. On Friday, I hung up my green uniform, yeah. and on the Monday morning, I received my orange PPE from Babcock Rail in Blantyre in Hamilton, and it was a case of green on the Friday, orange on the on the Monday, so I've actually literally gone green army, orange army. <laughs> do, you, do you you say that you fell? Do you literally feel that it was just that, oh, look what's happened, yeah, I'm, I, I'm now in rail? Absolutely. 30 years, in, 30 years in the military, you are you don't need to worry about your next job because the army sends you. Yeah. But for a career, uh, your folk, when it comes to your second career or another career once you've left left the military, you, I didn't know where to turn to. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what skills I had. I didn't know what qualities I could bring to an employer. And so you then start to think, gosh, as, as you get to that last day, you start thinking, I need to find a career. I need to find money to pay my mortgage. I need to, where am I going to put my family? Where are my kids going to go to school? So you start thinking more about your second career. And I wrote a CV. It was in military jargon. Um, <laughs> I gave it to a friend of a friend who said, that's pants. This is what yeah. you need to say. This is what this means. I then put my CV um, in and around Glasgow, which is where my last mm-hmm. unit was. And I also put it into my into um, into my old regimental into my regimental network, okay. and my CV went out into the ether. And an old, um, I say an old, if he's listening or watches this, he won't be pleased, but a a former boss of mine, Tony Harkin, who left the army as a brigadier, worked in in Babcock um, in the business, in the defense sales side, saw my CV, CV, put it into the Babcock system and somebody in rail said, oh, we'd like to chat to this guy. Mm They chatted to me um, about a month or two before I left the army and said, would you like to come into this role? I accepted. 
I didn't really understand what it was. Rail industry, what's mm -hmm. that? That can't be too hard. Uh, and then just and then on so on the so on the Monday, the sixth of October, two thousand and twelve, I started in the rail industry. And did you think that it was going to be your second career, or was it just a? Uh, oh, I, I need to find a stopgap. I need to do something. I always said to Mrs. Higgins that I wouldn't. I don't want a second career. I just need to earn some money just to keep ticking over till I'm 55. Well, I've just turned 55 and I, I don't want to stop. I like it. <laughs> uh, so I, 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 did, I do want a second career. I, 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 I now know that I've fallen on my feet and I absolutely love this industry. Mm -hmm. It is not dissimilar to being in the army. And the company I work for, Story, is actually not too dissimilar from my old core, the Royal Engineers, it's very much people focused, it's very much engineering, it's very much down to earth, mm -hmm. quality, friendship, teamwork, family. And so really I've gone from one career in orange and I have in green and I now have a really fulfilling career in orange. And I, as I said about my first career, I wouldn't change anything. And here I am in my second career and I wouldn't change it. And I I want to carry on working. I, I do think it's it's true. I mean, you know, quite often when when we're all using social media, we all do the hashtag railway family. And it's I think it's very interesting that you say it's it's quite like the army in that respect because it it is a family. Family or Hotel California, I haven't worked out which, <laughs> which one it is. Um, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> which member of the, of the family it is, isn't it? It probably says more about my career than anything. Um, <laughs> so so you, joined, uh, you joined the rail industry, and since then you've been quite instrumental and quite vocal in talking about skills and skill shortages. And actually, there was um, a report that NSAR, the, I have to stop calling it NSAR, NSAR, the National Skills Academy for Rail, brought out last September, which spoke about the crisis that we've got in rail. Now, we've been speaking about that quite a lot pre-COVID, but then I think when COVID happened and we weren't sure what was going to happen with rail and we weren't sure what was going to happen with, with passenger um, returning to rail, it was quite difficult to assess whether the skill shortage was still the same. And, and I think the NSAR report said that it actually is. And I've just I've jotted down some figures here. So, you know, they're talking about the fact that by 2030, nearly 50,000 of our railway workers are going to retire. And currently 28% of our workforce are over the age of 50. I mean, that, that's a, a really quite a scary thought when you look at the investment that's coming down, down the track, pardon the pun, for the integrated rail plan and HS2. We've then also lost a significant part of our workforce as a consequence of Brexit, because a lot of people were from, from Europe. COVID's seen a, a real drop in the number of apprentices and also some um, as having lost some businesses along the way has obviously impacted that as well. And obviously, as with most sectors, the way that we do work is changing. So we're looking at a lot of, you know, digitalization of things. And so, which is, again, the stats here, 110,000 people need upskilling 80,000 need reskilling, and we need at least 10,000 new apprentices by 2030. Whilst when I say 2030, that sounds like it's a lifetime away, I do have to remind myself that the 90s was not five years ago. So um, it's it's not that long away, is it really? And I mean, in terms of, I mean, you've largely been on the infrastructure side of things, haven't you? I mean, do you guys see that already? Are you starting to see the, the drop in the amount of people available for work? What I would say is that, uh, and you're right, NSAR was under Neil Robertson's um, leadership has been superb in, yeah. in raising this 
yeah. this issue. But one thing I will say to all of us watching and listening this podcast is that we've been talking about this problem since I joined the industry, and that was October 2012. Absolutely. We're all male, pale, and stale. Uh, everyone's retiring. Uh, there's not enough young blood coming through. Mm. Now, if that is true, and I have no reason to disbelieve that to be the case, then just stop talking about it. And let's do something about it, please. Let's have some leadership and, and let's have someone grab it. And uh, it could be Neil, it could be Andy Haynes, it could be you. Mm. Uh, just, grab this, just grab this piece and say, right, we know there's this problem. We've been talking about it. And I was middle-aged when you started talking about it. I'm close to retirement age. So, so I'm one of those people. So let's do something about it. Let's grip it. And let's actually now start doing something, either voluntarily Mm -hmm. or we're mandated, or a blend of the two. So yes, I do recognize the issue across the industry, and um, but we just now need to shut up and to start delivering. Yeah. And so it may be a case that we are mandated in our contracts that we bid, that we bid and win, mm -hmm. that we are mandated in, in, in recruiting a percentage of apprentices, a mm -hmm. percentage of, of, second, uh, of second career people, yeah. a percentage of graduates. Uh, and it may be that we have to do that. But one thing we're not good at as an industry, and several people who, who are watching this, oh, he's on, he's banging his drum again, is that we don't market ourselves very well. We are pants at marketing. We are, it's a great industry. I absolutely adore this industry and I've met some wonderful people. I've done some great work. I've been involved with some fantastic mm -hmm. schemes and it's, I'm very, very proud of what mm -hmm. we do together, but we don't lord it. We may, do a paragraph in we may get a paragraph in some magazine about box tunnel or we may get um something in a trade association about leave and mouth or or something on hs2 but we are doing fantastic work mm -hmm. as an industry but we do not hold ourselves up and go do you know what this industry is this industry is fantastic there's a job here for anybody of any sex color creed and of any discipline in this industry and these are some of the successes we're not just Eleanor on Penrith Station dis dispatching the trains, and she's brilliant, by the way, mm -hmm. Eleanor on Penrith Station. Yeah. We're not uh, we're not just dispatching trains. We're not Heather War. We're not just driving trains. Wish we all were. I wish we were. What did, how did Mike Roberts refer to Heather? The Scottish lady, I think. The Scottish train driver. <laughs> we're not allowed to call Heather Heather anymore. Mike <laughs> Roberts says we have to call her the Scottish train driver. But so, but it's not just Heather, and it's not just Eleanor. Mm. There are myriad roles in between, and a multitude of successes that we really should start applauding. So please, 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 anybody watching this with any power and influence, can we have a rail marketing board, please? Something so that true. markets our industry collectively, not just for network rail, yeah. not just for uh, QTS, not just for um, Sunbelt rentals, yeah. but for the industry as a whole. Yeah. Somebody that says, or some organization that says, this is the rail industry. This is the sort of career that you can have. It's how I joined the army. Mm. Uh, I grew up in Luton. And in January... For which I apologise for you. <laughs> and in January 1983, I went to school in the morning and I was, a, I was a numpty at school. I was a real... I was a nugget. And in January 1983, I had my O-levels coming up in May and mm. June of that year and I thought I haven't worked at school. I've, I've just completely wasted my time at school. What am I going to do for a job? All my friends around me were going to become accountants or become yeah. lawyers, God forbid, or engineers <laughs> or doctors. And there was me, well, what are you going to do, Simon? I don't know. Anyway, so in those days, the army came into, or the military came into school and the guy stood up and spoke about it. But that's what somebody from the Royal Anglian Regiment came into my school and said, the army's great, join the army. Mm -hmm. And I went, 
Yeah, I want to join the army. That night, my mother took me to the local recruiting office. I signed a piece of paper that said, well, that when I'm 16, subject to all the tests, I'd like to go to the Army Apprentice College in Chepstow. And I did. And the rest of that career was history. Why doesn't somebody from rail come into our schools or be on our television or be prominent and go, the rail is great. It's not just Heather. It's not just Eleanor. It's also, you can be a chaplain in the railways. You can be a baker. You can be a nurse. You can be a planner. You can be a, a surveyor. A lawyer. A lawyer. <laughs> Working at Shoesmith. Um, so this, but we just need to market ourselves and just say, this is the industry we're in. It's, and it's so brilliant. True. Someone like, get Lucy Pryor. Lucy Pryor should be that person. It's, it's so true. And, and it covers so many things, the marketing piece. It, you know, it, it covers the skill shortage. It covers, you know, the fact that we're perhaps not as diverse as we could, should be. Um, but it also gets a whole, a, a large number of other messages out. You know, I, I reshared something on LinkedIn the other day about 76 lorries equals yes. one freight train. I am going to keep hammering that point home yeah. because, you know, again, I don't think that we're good enough as an industry to talking about the environmental benefits of traveling by rail. And I think all too often what rail is known as is the negative stuff um, and it's the passenger impacting stuff, which is which is right and is valid because that's affecting whether people can get to and from work and, you know, wherever else they need to go. But there isn't that, this is a career. This is a, you know, you, you look at some people and they started off life as an apprentice and they're now, you know, CEO of a business. We all know people like that in the rail industry and it's about getting that message across. Yes. Now, you and I obviously also have another connection, which is through the Rail Forum, of which we are both um, vice chairs. And obviously the Rail Forum runs iRail. Each year and has done for goodness me, I think about 15, 16 years now. Well, you've been a vice chair for longer than that's been running, haven't you? 20 years? Longer than time, I think it is. Yes, I've been <laughs> vice chair for quite a while. You must have been a child when you were a vice chair. So I'm, I'm allowed to flirt on child, you. Child, child prodigy. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, that started off very, very small. But we've continued that working with schools and that engagement with schools. But what we've collectively realized over the last few years is that when we're going to kids in secondary schools, we are too late. Because if they're interested in engineering, if they're interested in that kind of sector role, then we need to be going to them when they are tiny Absolutely. wee children, which is why we've now got people going out into primary, primary schools. Engineer primary engineer, what a yeah. fantastic initiative to go out and say to, you know, I mean, I can remember when my brother was about five years old, all he wanted to do was be a train driver. Mm. All he wanted to do. Well, I'm not suggesting that we should have railway people, you know, lurking in corners like the child catcher from <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. But, you know, to perhaps have that kind of, well, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Absolutely. Um, and so the, if you can not target, that's the wrong word, but influence the children, the, the younger, the better. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also the gatekeepers and the guardians, the people who will influence these children. So teachers at school, the, the, do they have career teachers? at school anymore so so yeah. teachers um cub scouts uh, girl guides uh, boys brigade um uh, and parents these are the people as well who have an influence um and so it's it's not just the children it's also the people who have an influence on those children as well Absolutely. so it's a huge art it work, but it works both ways yeah it does work both ways and, and i i spoke at a railway event um, a few years ago now and spoke about the skills issue and somebody from the audience actually came up and i think they were there from something else because it was about a wider transport event yeah 
And he said, you know, my nephew is 15, doesn't know what he wants to do. Would you mind if I put him in touch with you to talk about rail? Because, yep. because I've never heard anybody talk about something with that kind of passion in terms of the scope of what a career could be. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, yep. as individuals, we've only got a certain amount of bandwidth, yes. haven't we? Yes. And that's why someone like, sorry, I'm going to say her name again, Lucy Pryor. She's getting who's a lot got, of her time. I don't know where <laughs> she gets her bandwidth from, but... Lucy, I hope you're blushing when we talk about it. Give Lucy the rail industry. But I did. In, uh, I spoke. I went to a trade event, um, uh, and it was a round table or a fireside chat. And Andrew Haynes was there, and I got a chance to ask a question. I mentioned about the rail market, yeah. and also to, an, to Annette as part of the GBRTT. I said rail marketing board, and people moan, but it's hopefully I keep saying it enough that people go, do you know? Do you know what we need to actively, collectively have that? And perhaps it may be a function of the new whatever it's called, if it's called GBR or whatever this yeah. new thing is going yeah. to be, perhaps it's a function of them that they should take the mantle. I mean, the figures say a lot. Yes. You know, in, in goodness, where we're, so we're 2023, so in seven years' time, yes. we're going to have lost 50,000 of our and workforce I, I just by retirement. And I haven't answered your question, have I? I went uh, so did I recognise this position? Yes, I do recognise this position. Story recognises this position, and I know that the wider industry recognises this position. And Elaine, what Elaine Clark's doing at the Rail Forum in support of these wider issues is fantastic, and that's exactly what we need, mm. absolutely. And then you have perhaps what Story are doing. Story, um, we recognise this, and we expend a lot of time and effort in supporting these wider initiatives. We supported um, Primary Engineer uh, in a school yes. in, in the Midlands last year. Uh, we also uh, have a, a very popular apprentice, apprenticeship scheme. Mm -hmm. We have a graduate scheme, uh, and we have um, a normal uh, sort of beginners scheme. Not beginners is the wrong word. I've, I've forgotten what the word is. So we have three separate schemes to bring new blood into uh, in, in, into story. Uh, both oversubscribed, okay. both attracting really good uh, candidates of both sexes from across different disciplines. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic really really good scheme uh, and what and what impresses me is that um, we, we we seem to be attracting good good people who wouldn't have considered normally the railway as a career and it all goes to yeah. Marie Whitehead and her team in, in our comms and engagement team they're out there selling the industry mm -hmm. but different aspects of it to different yeah. people and people go oh, I never realized that and that's definitely what's needed and it's interesting when you said before about whether there's something could go into contractual commitments because I think a lot of us are used now to seeing requirements to engage with apprentices in contractual commitments but to kind of to recognize as i've been saying for a while that apprentices are not all 16 17 18 no it's me i could be apprentice it, it's you know second career stuff and we shouldn't be ignoring that section of society mm. as well especially off the back of covid and especially in light of everything that's happening in, in the world because you know we need our network to run the infrastructure needs to run Absolutely, absolutely, and there's um, there's there's a point there about the apprenticeship also, isn't there? Is that you could become an apprentice um, um, engineer, mm -hmm. and, and, and instead of going to university to do to accrue debt through university, you yeah. can actually become an apprentice, and over a longer period of time, do it on on the job. Mm -hmm. 
and get the same qualification, but be debt free while earning money. So there's quite really? an apprentice, there's quite an, and I'm, we're seeing a lot of people come at us through that route mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the graduate route because of that very reason. And I think that's becoming more popular. I mean, even in my industry, you know, in, in law, that's Can that's you be an now, apprentice lawyer. Yeah. So that's so that's now starting to be a lot more popular as a as a route through. And I think that the way that people should be looking at apprenticeships now has changed from from what it was a few years ago. Now, all of this talk about skills and skill shortages leads us kind of quite nicely back to the start of your career, because one of the the things that, that the rail sector is doing is starting to look at the military and ex servicemen and women to see how when they're leaving the military, there could be some engagement there. So what initiatives are out there at the moment? Uh, There's quite a lot of initiatives. Um, And the first thing is, but why would you bother recruiting military? They just stand on a, on a square, get shouted at all day and get told what to do. So why? Well, if that's your perception of the military, then you're missing a huge Absolutely. reason. And so I've, always, I've struggled. People who get the armed forces, when I say army, well, Royal Engineers, here on, in, I mean yeah. the military. Yeah. Um, people think that in the army, you're told what to do from waking mm-hmm. up to going to bed and you get shouted at. The only time you really get shouted at is when you're on the battlefield Mm -hmm. and someone's trying to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Of course, you need that sort of command and control on the battlefield. But 99.9% of the time in the military, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. But what you do, what you have in the military these days is you have people who can think for themselves. You have people who are prepared to make uh, risks based on sound judgment. You have people who can plan, Mm -hmm. who can... um, who can make decisions for themselves, who can be reliable, yeah. uh, and all these personal soft skills. And most, if not well, all people who've been in the military have elements mm-hmm. of that, depending on how senior and how long they've served. Absolutely. depends. So they have these soft skills. Also, everybody in the military across the Royal Air Force, Royal Navy, and the Army also has a trade mm-hmm. or, a, or a, 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 te- a technical trade or a trade. And so what you have, in the, what you have leaving each year and that's 12,000 service leavers each year, is you have 12,000 people who've got soft and hard skills that the railway industry needs. I suspect, unless, unless you can drive a submarine or fly a fast jet, um, there's no real role for you in the, in the, in, in, in the, in, in, in the rail industry, but of course there is because of the other soft skills. And the transferable but, skills. But actually. the transferable skills, you can transfer from the military directly into, into the rail industry. Plus you have all these soft skills. So you're getting somebody who could perhaps be a fitter, somebody who could be a surveyor, somebody who could be a soil, um, a, a construction materials technician like Mark Lindell was, I think. You've got, you've got all these people with these trades that we need coming with good skills as well, and they're ready trained. So if you've got, I think you said 80 or 50,000 people leaving or 80,000 going to be leaving, well, you've got 12,000 per year leaving the military with the trades we need and with the skills we need so that with a minimal training and a minimal cost, Mm -hmm. they can come straight into our industry and do the roles that we're looking for. And as you say, that element of training that they've received is, is, you know, in – some cases outweighs anything else that might be falling down because of those transferable skills. I mean, I know speaking to a client a few years ago in the rail industry, they were actually looking for somebody to do an office manager role. And their first thought was, we need somebody who's been in the military because they can organise everybody. I was at a recruitment show recently and an ex-Royal, a guy who's leaving the Royal Navy 
He's just emailed me last week to say I'd like to apply for one of our offices and manor roles in one of our depots. And so, so that is absolutely boring. Mm. And so, so you've got this massive resource. And if, if I was, if I had a, if we had a huge organization looking through, I would be tapping into the career mm-hmm. transition. It's the career transition partnership who are the MOD's official yeah. resettlement provider for, for the MOD. Uh, I'd be tapping into the career mm-hmm. transition partnership and saying, guys, everybody who's leaving the military, Rail industry. And, Rail it com- industry. and it comes back to, you know, potentially a role that GBR might fill because at the moment that is happening, yes. but it's happening on a company-wide basis. So there's the, it's changed its name, hasn't it? It's not the military covenant, it's the armed forces, armed forces covenant, covenant now, yeah. which, you know, there's some big players who sign that. So Network Rail puts an awful lot of stuff yep. out there. Govia signed up. We've, we've signed well, it with, yeah. So, so there's yeah. a lot of organisations involved in it, but it's about that, yeah. as you say, it's that industry-wide. NSAR have roots into rail. Yes, uh, which is a which is a, which is a great conduit, and I think they're working closely with Career Transition Partnership. But that's yeah. does, but it doesn't cover it all. No. And you've got charities as well. You have a Build Force. Yes. You have a Project Recce, uh, and you have the work that Rail Forum are doing as well with Military is Good for Rail. I think we did our our fourth event this year or last year last our fifth year, event fifth this year. year. Yeah. Huge. I mean, in Derby, we had 20 plus rail companies from infrastructure and from, from consultancy and to train operating companies. We had Northern Rail there wanting to recruit military to become train drivers. So we had 20 plus companies in a room where we had 250 service leavers. It was like it was like speed dating on steroids. <laughs> it was they come with and it was just fantastic and, and we stories have taken three on mm-hmm. from that event um and so that, and that's just what rail forum is doing so you've got all these other initiatives and, and and high ground um which is which is a lovely charity in outdoor activity outdoor professions for service leavers okay. and railwinch is one of the the the, the 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 packages there that's run by anna baker creswell who runs a high, high ground so there's charities doing it there's official organs doing it um and there's companies like story company mm-hmm. like um uh, i know that bridgeway actively mm-hmm. hoover up um and amco giffin and, and all these other companies um hoovering up services but there's nothing collective and and it, it just it would be useful if we could just just formalize something and yes. and not just do it on a, on a each company's ad hoc basis yeah Absolutely, absolutely. It does. It comes back to that kind of almost that rail marketing board. There's so many different things yep, that it could there's be. There's selling the industry and there's recruiting for the industry. I, I think we've just solved the problem. I think yeah. That's so. it. it's <laughs> Tick. Right. <laughs> Sorry. What's, what's the name? <laughs> no, but the one thing, one thing I will one thing that um the one thing the 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 I can't really speak for the RAF and the Navy because I didn't really serve long with them, but in the army. The army is very good at um, at training its 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 individuals, be it soldier and officer. Now, as uh, when I was a soldier, I was trained to be a soldier, mm-hmm. um, and I was given my technical trade. So I had to be a soldier uh, and to be a fitter. I was a mm-hmm. diesel fitter, but obviously that was at the junior rank as a sapper. Now, for my next rank, I needed some element of communication skills, yeah. some sort of planning, some sort of leadership skills. So before I was promoted to lance corporal, I was trained how to be a lance corporal. Right. So I was given, I was trained how to close with and engage and kill the enemy. If, that, if I ever had to do that, that's pretty scary. I was taught how to build a bridge. I was taught how to mend um, a, a 
uh, Terex. Uh, but I was also given the leadership skills for my next role. So I was then promoted into my next role and I had all the, I didn't have the experience, but I had the knowledge and the mm-hmm. skills for it. Then when I was a Lance Corporal, prior to becoming a given a corp, be, becoming a corporal, I was given my technical skills up to class one. Okay. And I was given more combat engineering skills up to class one, and I was given more leadership and management skills to become mm-hmm. a corporal. So every time I moved up, I was given, I had the technical and I had the leadership and management skills yeah. for that. Then uh, um, Sandhurst, the same. Um, Sandhurst was given leadership training, uh, and then I joined the Royal Engineers, uh, back into the Royal Engineers. But every time I moved up the ranks as an officer in the Royal Engineers, I was given the skills, the qualities, and the leadership and the management training to fulfill the next rank. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so, so what you have is as you progress through your career in the military, you already every time you move up that ladder, you have the skills, the qualities, yeah. the experience required. Yeah. And it's the next, uh, so it's a very good way of training and that still continues now. So something perhaps the railway industry could look at is that we're great at giving our people uh, technical skills training, uh, but when it comes to leadership, it's a case of, well, well, you've been on the tools 30 years now, Higgy. You're the foreman. Oh, okay. And, we get, and perhaps there may be somebody there who's only served 10 years. Mitch, you've been here 10 years, but you're showing really good potential. We want you to be the foreman. And we give you the qualities mm-hmm. and the skills to do it, as opposed to the old bloke who's been on the tools longest. Yeah. So there's some. The army isn't the isn't the be all and end all. The army is good at certain things, but I think what we can learn in the railway industry is that we can look at how it trains its soldiers and officers. And I think we could recruit a hell of a lot more of people that come yeah. leave because they have the soft skills, the hard skills, yeah. to easily transfer into this wonderful industry of ours. Definitely. Have I eulogised? I, I, you're glazing over, Mitch. Or, or... <laughs> it's not intentional. <laughs> so it's it's um, it's just a great resource that we can tap mm-hmm. into. And... Absolutely. Well, we were going to talk about two key things today. We were going to talk about skill shortages and how military could help rail. And I think we've probably nailed it. So so that's it now. So we're in a great part of London. Um, there's a Greg's just round the corner. I notice. <laughs> Are you paying? (laughs) Fred's story doesn't give me a credit card. Simon, thank you ever so much for today. It's been really, really insightful. And I just hope that as we move forward, this is a really exciting time for rail. Great British Railways just around the corner. Um, Let's just hope that we can start kind of really putting into place some of the things we've spoken about today. Absolutely. And thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.